I'm Caddy Diaz. I'm Tafira Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! Um, welcome to, yeah, podcast. Uh, we are in the midst of February. And who says February says a strange combination of love and Black History Month. Um, so today, Tefra and I are going to be uh, diving into a cheesy romance novel mm-hmm. written by a Black author. Um, and we'll be talking about, let's talk about love by Claire Kahn, which is a story of uh, Alice, who is an, ooh, she's a biromantic, asexual college student. So we are not talking necessarily YA, but we're talking about like emerging adult literature. Um, and uh, she is uh, cool and going about her stuff and has just been dumped by her uh, ex-girlfriend because her ex-girlfriend can't handle asexuality and uh she meets takumi the very hot and nice takumi uh who works at the at the the library and uh they embark on an entire romantic journey taffer how'd you feel about this one I was excited to read this one because this one actually it came out at the end of January in 2018 and we started recording in April of 2018 and this book has been on our list since the beginning of the show so I was really excited to get a chance um, to read it. I listened to it on audiobook. It was really cool for me and interesting for me to read a book that was about that was so like fully about romance which is something that happens when you have a very romantic and asexual protagonist absolutely Uh, I think a lot of the time with romances we get so caught up in steamy right and we really associate romance with sex yes uh, which is obviously like a problem for asexual people Um, so it was really interesting to get that that perspective and that story um And I liked also, I mean, this is a romance, but it's also a book about Claire figuring out what she wants to do. That's true. And Um, and embracing her own skills and her own desires. About Alice, not Claire. Claire's the author, but that's okay. I I read Claire. (laughs) No, it's cool. I really do think that Claire probably put some of her own life story in there. It's true. I didn't mention um, there's a whole uh, storyline with uh, Alice and her parents. Um, So because she's in college and her parents really want her to go to law school. And Alice is kind of, fig- she's figuring everything out. Let's yeah. be honest. She's yeah. figuring out her sexuality, like how to have to how to own her, asex- her asexuality and like let it converge with her biromanticism and like, and then dealing with like, do I want to go to law school? Do I just want to do what my parents want me to do or do I not? And um, yeah, it actually, I find that this book creates like a really interesting space uh, for personal development which I think is 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 interesting and really showcases the um, stepping out from like young 16 to 17 year old characters and really into an emerging adult who has opinions and who has wants and desires that are clearer and who are really focused into um, on to coming into themselves oh words are also challenging for me today apparently well we'll we'll just deal (laughs) 
I think the key the key theme there is owning yeah. herself. Um, you know, she starts the book knowing that she's asexual. So this isn't a story of her coming out to herself. It's a story of her figuring out disclosure and coming out and who deserves to know and who doesn't. Agreed. Um, and she also begins the book knowing she doesn't want to go to law school. And so it's also a journey of owning that, owning her own choices. Absolutely. Um, I love that. I actually really like that, um, the pressure, uh, the par- the parental pressure part, because there's uh, something very familiar, uh, you know, when you come from a family of immigrants, uh, <laughs> there are four acceptable fields of study. Um, sexology is not one of them. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I think I think that made it really relatable for me. Um, I want to talk a bit about Alice because mm-hmm. I find that um, there's something interesting about Alice is that she's a bit of an ass. Um, she's a three-dimensional character. Like she has flaws. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see a main character who isn't, um, yeah, this like, flower waiting to bloom kind of thing she's she's a strong-willed strong-minded uh young woman and and that's refreshing i find it's 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 not often that we find um characters that have the 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 quality of their flaws you know yeah yeah i would say um i felt the same way about takumi the Mm -hmm. love interest i i I liked him as a character, and I liked him as a partner for Alice, and I did not particularly like him as a person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Say more, say more. I feel like, I mean, he's he's definitely drawn, I mean, he's, you know, interesting and loving to his nieces, and that's really lovely. He has really nice qualities, um, but the, like, constant, uh, uh, quote-unquote, health drive, the constant don't eat processed food, make everything from scratch, I take care of my body, I found exhausting. Yeah, it's it's quite fat phobic. Yeah, okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one who mm-hmm. felt that way because I really, I'm, I'm jumping right in, I'm jumping right in at the beginning okay. of this one, but yeah. there, was, there was a current of fat phobia in this book that was exhausting for me, and because it was largely centered around Takumi, because Alice does eat a lot of processed food, but she's thin, and it's like really driven home that she's thin yes she's naturally thin yeah she's and um we have to take a moment and celebrate the cover of this book Mm -hmm. um because it is the photo of i guess you know the alice that we should imagine um and she is a beautiful uh dark-skinned woman with a fro and that's fun like it's a loose fro like we are not talking like 4c texture but like it's it's not an image that we get to see often and while I was reading it I had a part of me that was wondering if they were really driving in the thinness point to reinforce her desirability Um, because I mean within the black community dark-skinned women uh, they get the short end of the stick Um, they're not necessarily as valued quote-unquote as uh, lighter-skinned women Um, and you know that has obvious roots in systemic racism and you know if you want to go back and think about slavery and who was allowed to be closer to the house uh, the lighter skinned folks who are generally the product of violent assault um but nonetheless uh so yeah i I was wondering if they were trying to be like okay we want her to be three-dimensional but we still need to have her be desirable her thinness is her is her redeeming quality to a certain extent, her beauty. Um, You know, even though she's dark-skinned and Takumi is obsessed with her beauty, 
you know, it's 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 got to be anchored in something recognizable, I guess, for 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 the main like the the general audience aesthetics are such a huge part of this book aesthetic it like it engages with aesthetics it's not just aesthetically pleasing and i would i would say it's not necessarily like the most gorgeous lash book i've ever read but alice is obsessed with aesthetics she is a talented interior designer um and for her attraction is very based on aesthetics um so for her like Takumi, she's drawn to him because he is gorgeous initially. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one who really just strikes her, and you know that's nice. Uh- <laughs> it did kind of feel like there wasn't much more there. Sometimes it felt like their relationship was very much based on like we are pretty together they're like an instagram couple a bit um and then uh, later on throughout the story you kind of realize that you know takumi's also kind of obsessed with with alice's appearance and you know there's there's a revelation that you know i don't know if we should name but he has some creepy behavior in relation to the book came out two years ago yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to spoil it. So Takumi ends up taking a bunch of photos of Alice uh, unbeknownst to her. And uh, while she's nursing him because he's sick, uh, she finds this album. And like, hello, red flag. Like there are photos of her sleeping. Um, and, and there's a there's a there's a line um, in consent and things like that. And it's like this this chronicling of like are beautiful you know this beautiful woman while she's beautiful I guess or before she ages or I don't know it didn't sit right with me yeah I think he does ask her consent to take photos of her initially and she says I'm really uncomfortable with photos of me I don't want them to be digital you know I don't want them to be on the internet and the way they get around that is kind of he's like well I'll use like instant developed film so there aren't any copies of it but that also sat sat weird with me that they have this one conversation and he kind of takes that as consent to just yeah um I did feel I feel like part of that creepiness actually comes from I felt like there was a bit of a a a hole in the story yeah I felt like there was some skating over the development of their relationship. So we kind of went right from they meet each other at the library to they're basically a couple and they're taking photos together and stuff. But we didn't really see any of that happening. We didn't really see any of those conversations or, you know, at one point she references the like she comes home and Tini's like, where were you? And she says skydiving. And that was so jarring for me that I assumed she was making a joke. Mm. And then it was like, no, she was literally skydiving. And I was kind of like, why didn't we see the skydiving? Why didn't we? Like... And there were a lot of moments like that. Oh, that was at our first basketball game together. At what point did you go to basketball games together? And I think kind of there was a lot of the, I, I think it's more a writing problem than a character problem. I think there were just big chunks of the story that we weren't getting. I think that prevented me anyways from falling in love with their relationship mm-hmm. a little bit um, because it, it, it missed the mark in terms of uh, the relationship magic and ended up kind of just being this like, okay, we're together. Thank you. And especially because um, Alice is still interested in romantic relationship, even though she's not interested in uh, any sexual contact, 
we want the romance, right? Like, let's like sell me the romance. Sell me romance is not a vehicle for sex. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, that's that's a really great theme to explore. And I think that a lot of youth can gain, you know, they can gain priceless information and also just a, a sense of self awareness, right? A bit of a rethinking of how. Why are we being romantic? Is it just for sex? No, we're being romantic because we care, mm-hmm. right? And romance can look a million different ways. We're talking about two nerds here, right? And it is kind of like, I love that, the idea of nerd love. And it resonates, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think that there's something interesting there that that we just, we just missed the mark a yeah. little bit. Yeah. I will say there was one relationship in this book that I absolutely believed as a romantic, platonic, super strong asexual relationship. And that is the relationship between Claire and Feeney. And, or, oh God, I keep calling her Claire. <laughs> that is the relationship between Alice and Feeney yeah. and also the relationship between Alice and Ryan. Yes. I feel like this book opens with this beautiful little poly triad. And Alice just needs to be recognized as a member of that triad because I do feel like now and I want to talk about Feeney because Feeney is Alice's oldest friend. And that to me is the interesting relationship in the book. 100 percent in agreement with you. I mean, sometimes it almost feels as though maybe this book was going to be about them having a triad and the publishers were like, no, 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 we need a guy. You know, like like that's how much it feels like the main relationship in the book. Yeah. Um, and Feeney really is expecting Alice to be her third. She's expecting Alice to be her partner uh, and to be present, but she hasn't figured out how to prioritize Alice in a way that honors that. Ryan really has. Ryan prioritizes Alice very well as a member of their little family. And for a little bit in the book, I kind of thought we were heading towards Takumi turns out to be kind of an ass and Alice realizes who her family is. Absolutely. And I was a little disappointed that that wasn't what happened because it just is this this beautiful picture of love and what love and satisfying relationships can look like. And I know that Alice craves romance and she's not totally satisfied with a, with a a romantic relationship but I felt like that was just something they just needed to tweak you know <laughs> like they just needed to have that conversation I agree um, I think that there's something really interesting about Feeney because Feeney can be uh, uh, I can imagine Feeney as a polarizing character uh, Feeney is, is quite needy <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Feeney also uh, breaks through this uh trope that there always is which is as soon as you fall in love your friends become unimportant and I think the emphasis being put on the fact that Feeney is is Alice's oldest friend and best friend and confidant and really just their relationship is so important and so strong you know it's important there comes a moment where Feeney does call Alice out and it's like hey what's going on here Mm -hmm. Takumi has come in to your life and now I'm I'm what like a bag of dirt like and I think that that was a really interesting comment and one that we don't talk about enough and I guess as 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 I was listening to you right before I started thinking like maybe the central romantic relationship actually is um between Alice and Feeney and you know the the couplehood of Alice and Takumi is actually the second banana. Like it's that secondary relationship in yeah. in Polly's sense. So 
Yeah. But then the ending kind of like, yeah, I wasn't super happy with the ending. I I felt like a lot of kind of threads were left out. Yeah, I I guess there's this point in the book where Feeney and Alice get into a fight, which is just silence, which is very realistic to me. Oh, So realistic. (laughs) You get mad at your friend, your friend's mad at you, you don't want to talk about it, or your partner, or whatever, and you just avoid each other for months. Um, But that felt very contrived. It felt like, okay, well, Alice spends all this time with Feeney and Ryan, and we need to get Alice out of the way of Feeney and Ryan so that Alice can develop this relationship with Takumi. And it it just, like, if I were Feeney, say, which I have some similarities, I would be really, really worried mm. about Alice for just suddenly disappearing, spending all this time with this guy. You know, she's recently had a breakup. She's really struggling. The, there were red flags in that situation. And I totally understand Feeney being like, hey, what what is going on? I'm really uncomfortable with how many times Takumi is depending on Alice for care. Ooh, Teffer. Let's talk about it. Um, I agree. And that plays into a stereotype that gets under my skin. And I was hoping uh, that you know, Alice would sort of stand up for herself a bit more with regards to that because there really is this idea that Alice is going to take on this mammy role because she's not a Jezebel. Um, So, which is sort of the only two things that black women can be in the perception of society, the man. Oh, no. Um, But yeah, so there's this idea of you are either the mammy, so the caretaker, um, you know, this 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 figure of abundance for others of nurturing, etc. Or the Jezebel, which is a very hot and sexy um, piece of ass, um, who is basically there to um, answer to sexual fantasies. And because Alice puts on the table the fact that she is asexual. At some point, she comes out to Takumi. Um, It's like, oh, well, all right, I'm not going to get my, you know, my sexual needs taken care of. Well, yeah, make me some soup when I get sick. You know, like, and pick me up when I'm drunk about my ex. Exactly. And, And that's kind of frustrating. There is space for her to be. You know, there's space for negotiation. I think that's it. There's there's a lack of compromise in this book, right? It's well documented in scientific journals that asexual people, some of them do have sex in relationships because it's a compromise or some of them open up to polyamorous situations or all that. But there's this assumption when she comes out to Takumi that, you know, he's just like, okay, cool. I love you, so it's all good. I'll never have sex. And I was like, okay, that's a very easy way of solving that problem that does not create realistic expectations for the reader. I mean, uh, neither you nor I are asexual, but like, if I were to date someone whom I loved and was interested in who was absolutely closed off to sexuality and and the way that Alice portrays it is very like it's very much of a very firm stance it's a big hard no on everything 
there's got to be room to negotiate. There's got to be like, I mean, you know, it's like saying, oh, well, we can just turn our sexual our sexual desires off and our sexual needs just poof, they fly away. And that's not how it works. That's you have to have communication in a relationship no matter what. And to just say like, oh, we're just going to solve this problem in like a page and a half. That That, didn't cut it for me. That's the issue I had with the ending. I felt as though they raised the issue and then fast forwarded six months and we didn't hear anything about it. And I mean, I believe that the Alice to me seems not only asexual, but sex repulsed. Like mm. she, she is, she's an very, aversion to sex. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, repulsed isn't like the nicest word for it. I've just heard that. <laughs> sex averse. Sex averse. Yeah. Like it's not just I can take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> but it's like I really actively don't want this. Yeah. I'm disgusted um, by yeah, it. It's, yeah. it's almost like a phobia. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I hesitate to use phobia because asexuality has been so... Um, stigmatized oh i (laughs) i completely agree and i'm glad that there's no longer an aversion to sexuality classification and things like that uh but i think just to 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 keep it into perspective asexuality is is the same as a sexual orientation yeah right and that's something that we have to keep in mind and uh when we talk about uh, aversion to sex it really is a, a very strong reaction of disgust yeah uh, just like an aversion to snakes or an aversion to anything really um so yes absolutely yeah Thank you for that clarification. Um, this is why we have a sexologist, almost sexologist almost. on the show. <laughs> Alice's perspective. I understand Alice's perspective being, well, I've been pressured into having sex in previous relationships and I don't want to do that again. But Alice's position is very much, if you break up with me because I'm not open to you like having sex outside of our relationship and I'm not open to having sex and you want sex then you're an asshole and that really rubs me the wrong way because like especially for me I'm I'm gray row I'm like not totally aromantic but like fairly aromantic I did not have a relationship where I felt romantic feelings until I was 27 um and then I was like oh I guess I'm not totally aromantic okay (laughs) um but for me, the really important connections are uh, platonic and sexual. And so for me, a partner who was very romantic but asexual, it would just not work. We wouldn't be suited to each other at all, no matter how good our platonic connection is. And it's just, it's not really fair <laughs> to be like, it's kind of like saying like, oh, if your partner's bi, it's like if you say like, okay, like I'm bi and you're monogamous but like you have to be okay with me having sex with other people around the relationship if the person's like I'm not comfortable with that that doesn't mean they're an asshole it means that you're not suited to each other and I I didn't like Alice's real aversion to finding other asexual people to date because I really feel like in in Alice's situation the solution is you date other people who are not interested in sex or you compromise or you compromise exactly but she doesn't seem to have compromise on the table at all which is which is challenging yeah because and that you know that maybe shows a bit of the uh yeah a bit of flaw here um not just in the character but in in the book in itself um it really it's a polarizing opinion and it's like hey this is this is it 
Mm-hmm. This is it. You must respect everything that I say and thank you. Goodbye. Um, you're beautiful, by the way. Yeah. And that's that's not enough. And it's not uh, I don't think that that's a fair message to convey to young adults. Yeah. I think that uh, relationships are already hard enough to navigate, especially because you know, people have never been so connected and all these things like relationship configurations are changing and evolving nonstop. But to really showcase this as like a be all end all, like, nope, that's it. My way or the highway kind of mentality is really dangerous. You, it, it would be really lovely to see. It would have been really lovely to see a bit more a bit more willingness to, to, to compromise and maybe even realizing that this is not the ideal situation and maybe they can be friends or maybe they can you know look at any other option but yeah I think once again it did not sit well with me it felt like the problems really arose when they decided to categorize it as dating because the relationship they had before that was a totally functional relationship that was working for both of them And I understand Alice wanting romance and a wedding and proposals and flowers and things like that. But yeah, you've just got to, I mean, yeah, it's what you said. Relationships don't work that way. And if for Takumi, well, I feel like we weren't totally clear on the role sex plays for Takumi. Like he seemed very like, ooh, I don't know about never having sex. And then he thinks about it and is like, well, what I really want is to know that you're into me. So like... It ends up being quite shallow, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, it was just like, okay, but like if you are somebody who does experience connection through sex, it's you're not going to experience the same connection through seeing your partner jump up and down in excitement the same way somebody who does not experience connection through sex isn't going to experience connection through sex. Like, yeah, it, it felt very... It felt like a very limited portrayal of asexuality and asexual people. I agree. Yeah. Thoroughly. Um, there is one thing that I appreciated. Um, it's not one, o- the only thing that I appreciate. No. Um, but, the- <laughs> um, but I do want to be clear. I think, you know, again, like I said earlier, Alice is a three-dimensional character who is flawed deeply. Um, but I loved when she, when things got to be too much, Alice had the good sense of seeking out counseling. And I was really proud of her character for doing that because I was like, that is not like, you know, you're in college, you, you're you're kind of doing your own thing and trying to get through the world as like as a strong adult or appearing as a strong adult. Um, it does take a, a good dose of humility to just turn around and say like, all right, I need some help. I need to figure this out. And even though the consequences, it's not like she was faced with choices that were, you know, uh, earth sh- life shattering or whatever. Like it's it's really just a question of like, I need to find some sense and some direction in all of this. I need to vent. Um, I'm, you know, nothing will fall apart regardless of what happens, but I can't do it my by myself. And I really appreciated that that addition uh, to this story. I also really appreciated that. I appreciated the really positive portrayal of therapy. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more I'm wondering how much of the issues I have with this book happened in editing rather than in the writing. Mm. Because one of the things that gets raised in counseling, her therapist says you really should seek out 
some queer community. You should seek out other asexual people, other bisexual people. Um, and she just kind of says, well, I don't feel comfortable in those groups because I'm black. And that was like a big flag for me because I was kind of like, well, there are, there are groups that are like specifically, and she's on Tumblr. I just feel like she should have known. Like there are, are there is a, a queer community that's not the way <laughs> queer community are not only white. Um, and it felt like like such an unfinished end there. It mm. felt like that was setting her up for a storyline of finding queer community and finding other asexual people. And just like how amazing would it have been if she ended up talking to someone a few years older than her who's also asexual and who could say, well, maybe you want to try this. Maybe you want to try this. This is normal, but you're kind of boxing yourself in, you know, you need community beyond Tumblr. It was just like, well, there's this option. No. And that's just it. And that's the end. And like, I can talk to just my therapist and just my straight friends. And but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I, I found that I, I, I could relate to that a little bit. I think mm, okay. that that's I think it's a challenging thought. But it also I also forget where this book is set. Um, Northern California. Mm, Northern California, not the most culturally diverse maybe yeah. um in terms of black people yeah uh, i mean you yeah i know no, that's you've got yeah 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 you've got like everything happening around oakland but even that hello gentrification yeah. um but yeah so i think that finding community is hard and i mean look queer communities you know who you are with your token person of color oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and there is a fear like that i, I understand mm. the resistance um to the idea but it it could have been explored a bit more especially because she needs it <laughs> she needs it otherwise alice is a character that ends up hyper isolated and that's dangerous what happens to cool like i mean come on just look at any like mental health emergency stats or uh, suicide stats and and you see that when when young queers young people who do not fit the uh, very hegemonical mold well then those youth tend to end up in distress and serious distress and they end up being very lonely and sad and depressed and they do they harm themselves mm -hmm. and we don't want to push forward any story that really you know puts that at, at the forefront you know without necessarily explaining it so yeah, yeah. Uh, in a sense this book does feel maybe unfinished or edited too hard or mm -hmm. not hard enough well and she has a friend at the beginning of the book who's the barista who's like really great for her who then oh she's on vacation for the rest of the book like, like there's just and then and then Alice is just dating her straight allosexual boyfriend and hanging out with her straight allosexual best friends. Uh, uh, like, sure, they're not all white, but like, it, there's just kind of a like, like, what, what are we, what is she getting? What does she have? What yeah. is her support system? Her family really isn't supporting her well. Her friends aren't really supporting her well. Takumi's just kind of meh. So it's kind of like, 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 where's the like awesome queer barista who was like hanging out with her in the coffee shop at the beginning yeah. of the book? What happened? Yeah. Like and we know that the reality <laughs> is that you're not always going to find your, your, your RuPaul or your queer godparent um, who will bring you into the community and kind of be your shelter from the storm. 
However, this is fiction. Yeah. And it's a book that, I mean, with a title, like, let's talk about love. Like, you look at the cover of the book, you look at the way that it's advertised, and what we're looking at is a sort of failure to meet expectations here. Like, yeah. the story just needs a little zhuzh, a little, a little, a little oomph, a little happy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That gives us the sense that Alice will not end up having a nervous breakdown. Well, that's, I'm just so worried about her. And by the end of the book, I was like, I'm still worried about her. Like, sure, she can dress up in a 50s aesthetic and watch a movie with her boyfriend, but this is six months into the relationship. Yep. That's not a happily ever after. That's a, like, we're doing okay. And she's, like, so invested in getting past six months so she'll know she's not broken you know the the relation I think that's what it is it's that she feels like this relationship with Takumi solves all her problems and we're supposed to believe that this relationship with Takumi solves all her problems but she's still on a six-year plan with her parents where she has to prove to them that she can be a successful interior designer let me tell you I graduated more than six years ago and I have not proved to anything that I can be a successful anything like that's a very short timeline for a career and she's still just like dressing up pretty and ordering food for her boyfriend every month for me maybe it's because I am not a super romantic person but for me it felt very sad it was just kind of for Alice the importance is still all the aesthetic it's still all the appearance it's look I am not broken because I can be in a relationship with a pretty boy and like Oh boy, oh boy, that's not the satisfying ending. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, our, our third eye is wide open and we see through. <laughs> like, okay, as a teenager, would I have lapped this up? Yes. Absolutely. And going into this, I did not expect my critical side to come out in such full force. I really didn't um, because there were things I really enjoyed. Like, I think... As I've said before, the relationship with her two best friends is is a really, really, really good example. But I guess I just kind of feel, well, like, we know you can write that relationship. So what what is this? What is this? Um, It's so isolated. It's so shallow and, and just really disappointing. Do you feel like maybe there might be something to the low expectations that we place on young love also? Like... I think that there's this there seems to be this this like collective big brother kind of idea that you know because the relationships in your late teens early 20s aren't always going to be your most significant relationships and there's this idea that like you move past them and grow and yada yada um maybe that people think that like eh, maybe it could just be good enough mm. you know but even then, actually, you know, I'm, I'm saying it and I'm like, well, this relationship isn't good enough. It's, mm. it's actually kind of dangerous. And Alice deserves better. And that's, yeah, it's dangerous. That's exactly it. It's scary. We have Takumi who has, like, responded, I'm sorry, really, really disproportionately with his ex-girlfriend and that relationship breaking down. Like, kind of scary response to that. He doesn't seem like a safe person because he's 
beautiful I'm supposed to ignore that he doesn't seem like a safe person Ooh, because they're beautiful we should not think of the warning signs that sounds like the title of my memoir about dating is that Twilight <clears throat> is it oh Teffer you went there oh to dear audience Teffer has a triumphant look <laughs> But I was thinking about Twilight a lot reading this. It feels very Twilighty. I don't know. It does. Yeah. It, 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 it's definitely like, oh, but I'm so in love, so it's okay. Everything is fine. Everything will work out. I just, I guess I expected more. I expected more also. But A plus for the representation. Absolutely. I think that that's important to, it's important to note. And I love the fact that we can read several books. Um, about queer youth and be able to not have everything be perfect. And, you know, we're starting to have, yeah, we're starting to have a bit of a, a bit of a repertoire yeah. that we can go through. And some of it is, you know, better than others. And this one still is worth checking out. I think this would probably make good like vacation read. Um, it's nice yeah. and nice and quick read. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I, I think the representation is really great. I think it's really good that there is an ace rom-com. <laughs> well, not com so much, but like an ace romance. Um, there should be more. There should. Um, I'm going to add one more grievance to my list. I love it. It's like Festivus all over again. I'm going to add two more grievances to my <laughs> One, I thought Takumi was going to be queer. And I, I was just kind of like, what? He's so boring. Yeah. Not that all straight men are boring, but like he was boring. Yeah. Um hey, boring. And two he could have just been ace too. It could have just been, oh look, I found somebody who also doesn't want this. And we're both relieved to disclose this, which is kind of where I thought it was going. And then it didn't go there. I get that. And it's just kind of like, well, don't just like force a relationship with people who don't you know, like in the holiday when Kate Winslet is like very square peg, very round hole. Oh, God, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might have to get that tattooed somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you just um, do the little image. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, there's a lot of shoulda, coulda, wittas, which, you know, is sort of the issue here, right? At the core of this is that there's a lot of... There, there are so many things that we wish could have been different about this story and that I hope will be different in other stories yeah. that, uh, you know, tackle similar issues. And, and I really am glad that we've got some representation for the ace community, the ace community of color, which is something that, like, let's be honest, asexuality is not linked to people of color. Um, I'm so glad that there's, like, a, an intercultural relationship where none of the people are white. That's fun. That's a nice one. And we know that, you know, there are some issues uh, in issues. I don't know. But you know, there's definitely anti-black messaging in, you know, Asian communities. And there's definitely some anti-Asian stereotypes and issues on in the black community. So it is nice to sort of see something a bit more, a bit more level headed. And evenly keeled. Yeah. I, don't, I never like it when I'm just only critical in a review. I understand that. Yeah. I think there are there are good things about this book. Like, yeah. check it out. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not, 
but I love that we are able to be critical about this kind of book and we're not like, oh, we have to, you know, cheer it on. And I think that Claire Kahn is, Claire Kahn's a good writer, like, but someone like Claire Kahn's wings spread fully. Yeah. Um, because I, it does feel like uh, this is a story that might have been stunted in several places uh, and not by choice. It feels weirdly edited. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to for me is it feels like there were weird editorial choices and that's not the author's fault. Um, I will say it was also her debut novel. And she has another one out. I would be definitely interested to read that. Um, We're going to do it. We're going to put it on the list. It's called If It Makes You Happy. Love it. Uh, And, you know, it's a debut novel. So I'm going to I'm going to give that um, a break. If It Makes You Happy is also about a fat protagonist. What? That could be interesting. Tougher. And see what happens. I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah. So, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Happy. I think my wait, let's talk about Valentine's. I have to. I once received the best Valentine greeting. It is an image of Plato and it says, let's get platonic. And I love it. I love that. I love that. That's cute. It's Valentine's Day and don't settle for something that doesn't fit you just right. Hold out for the thing that fits you just right. Because it's out there. Because you fit you just right. And it is better to just fit you just right than try to make yourself fit somebody who doesn't fit you. Even though everyone will tell you that, you know, oh, it's going to be so great when you're no longer alone. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave us feedback, suggest a book, uh, or just say hi, send us an email at theyeahpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast. And individually, I'm at Tefferbear. And I'm at Caddy Double Underscore D. Uh, if you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all, kind of, all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stetchbury, uh, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenho, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We also have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. Our merch is really nice. Yep. Like, it's really, really cute, and you should definitely buy some. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe someone who doesn't believe in asexuality. I think this would be this yeah. would be a good one for them. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Group as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tevra Jemian, that's you, and edited by Tom Zalatni. Hi, Tom, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out all about uh, you can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender. 
Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. <laughs> Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>